Turn with me, please, to the book of 1 Timothy. 1 Timothy, the fifth chapter. And let's pray and believe the Lord for utterance. It's time to eat. That's <laughs> exactly right. Jesus asked Peter, you know, he said, do you love me? He said, yes. He said, feed my sheep. Didn't he? And that is the pastor's job to, uh, to feed and to lead. And so uh, spiritual eating is just as real as natural eating. And one of the reasons so many people are so spiritually weak is because they're not eating. And uh, you can't eat just anything and be strong spiritually. You know, how many of you can't just eat cotton candy only <laughs> and physically be okay? It may be a pretty and a big fluff of stuff, but when you eat it and your body goes, what are we going to do with this? You know, <laughs> right? You're going to need something else if you're going to be strong and stay able and do work and uh, the Bible said that we're nourished up in the words of faith. That doesn't mean every message is on the subject of faith, and yet every message is of faith, from faith, and produces faith, right? And you can tell when you eat something good spiritually, can't you tell? Man, it nourishes you, it builds you up on the inside. It's, it's as real and more real as eating a good physical meal when you're hungry. Thank you, Lord. Jesus said you don't live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. So uh, let's pray and get ready to eat. Father, in the name of Jesus, we come before you, all of us together, Sarasota and our folks uh, online all over the country and world. We, we come together in agreement asking you for utterance. Asking you for eyes that see, ears that hear, a heart and a mind that understands. Uh, give us exactly the nourishment and feeding that our spirit needs, the enlightenment that our heart and mind requires, what's needed and coming for the next steps and next parts of our life, of your plan. Add to us the supply of the spirit and the truth of the word that makes us free, answers, direction. We ask for it. We believe you hear it. We know it's your will. We believe we receive it. We thank you for it. And we say we'll not be forgetful hearers or hearers only, but by your help we will be doers of the word in Jesus' name. Amen. Somebody said out loud, I'm a doer. I'm a doer. I'm a doer of the word of God. Did you know that is the key to miracles? I didn't say a key. I said the key. Why would you say that? Remember what Jesus' mother told them at the wedding feast of Canaan? Did they get a miracle? How'd they get it? She told them, whatever he says to you, do it. And they did it. And they got a miracle. And that's how it works. That's how it's always worked. It's how it will always work. But it's, it's possible to hear and hear and hear and not do a thing. Isn't it? And we live in the information age where you're hearing and seeing something all over the place and it's easy to just accustom to being entertained. It's quiet in here. 
<laughs> to just hear stuff and hear stuff and go, okay, next. Change the track. Okay. All right. Watch, watch, watch. Change the channel. Watch, watch, watch. With no intent of doing anything, we're just hearing and watching. And if you go to church that way, or if you read the Bible that way, you think, that was a good series. Give me another one. What did you do with the other one you just heard? People look at you like, do? Yeah, we're supposed to do something with that. You're supposed to stop doing something and start doing something and change something. Every time we read a verse, every time we hear a word, a message, we're supposed to be thinking, how does this affect my life? What am I supposed to do with this? And if we don't do anything with it, it's possible to go to church for years and have little to no results. Because it's not the hearers that get the benefits. Who is it? Come on, tell me who it is. It's the doers only. Said out loud another time, I am a doer of the Word of God. And if you are, you'll get results. You'll see it. Well, what kind of word are we going to do tonight? First Timothy's good word. Are you there? Chapter 5. First Timothy. Chapter 5, 1 Timothy 5 and about verse 3 says, honor widows that are widows indeed. We might say that really are widows. If any widow have children or nephew, let them learn first to show piety at home and to requite their parents for that is good and acceptable before God. You know, when we first started the church, we began to get requests for assistance and help. People said, we need help with this, we need help with that. And uh, I prayed and sought the Lord about, you know, what are we supposed to do? Because, you know, some people, there are some folks that just go from church to church. And, uh, and sometimes just make up stories. And so... I don't want to take uh, the Lord's money and give it to people that's scamming. Do you? And yet, if somebody really needs help, and especially if they're part of our family, what are we supposed to do? Well, you answered too quick. Because <laughs> the answer is, what does the Word say? Let me go over that again real slow. <laughs> in fact how many realize that is the answer to everything and the reason I say it is because so many times people have they've already got it in their mind made up what should happen and they don't realize they never went to the word just because it's commonly believed doesn't make it right and the Lord gave me two verses and I hadn't really thought about it like this the first one is, if you don't work, you don't eat. <laughs> is that Bible? <laughs> Did I lose somebody? <laughs> Should we take that seriously or just act like that's not in there? So the first thing we want to know, you know, people that need help, are you working? Are you trying to work? And if not, why not? 
And I realize sometimes people, you know, I've seen men and women that were very sincere and diligent and responsible people and, and they were just in between jobs and they were doing everything they knew how to do and they just got in a bad way. And that's a different scenario than somebody that's had four job offers in the last three months and wouldn't take them and is still sponging off of their family and everybody else. That's unscriptural. So number one, are you working or are you endeavoring to? I'm pausing for effect. <laughs> Is that the word of God? Is that What did the scripture say? If you don't work, if any doesn't work, neither should he eat. Do we believe that or not? Most Christians don't. They don't. They'd say, oh, I can't stand to see them hungry. It's not Christian. According to the word, if somebody can work and is able to work and has opportunity to work and won't, the Lord would let them get hungry. Yes, sir. I said he would let them get hungry. That's what he told us to do. Because hunger is a great motivation. <laughs> After getting pretty hungry, that job looks better. Doesn't it? You don't require, you know, a more prestigious appointment and, and the pay is enough. In... <laughs> is that Bible or no? Yes, sir. <laughs> you should see some of the looks I'm getting across the crowd. <laughs> Much of the church world ignores that verse, does not practice it. Just a fact. Should we or not? Yes. I'm talking, I was praying about these things. I'm wanting to do it right. And the Lord gave me two things. He took me to that verse. He said, that's the first thing you check on. Are they working? Are they trying to work? And secondly is this. What about their family? Because their family's supposed to help them. And why isn't their family helping them? Now, some people don't have family. And that's what he's talking about right here. He's talking about a widow that has no family. But if they have family. And a lot of times the reason. They won't go to their family. Because their family knows them. <laughs> you didn't know you was going to get this tonight did you? Is it Bible or not? See people have their own ideas. About what's good and Christian and love. But you don't get any more good and Christian and love. Than the New Testament. Did you know it's not God's will that anybody, not one person, be dependent on other people for handouts to live? It's great if somebody needs help and the Lord leads us to and we're able, but anybody, do you believe no matter where you are, you can be in the worst ditch in the worst ghetto anywhere in the world and if you'll lift up your head and call on God come on are you listening do you believe that through the process of time he can get you to where you're not dependent on other people where he's your source and where he can actually use you to give to other people some things that Christians are doing are perpetuating people's dependency on them and enabling their rebellion Against God and against his word and other things. Should we observe these scriptures? We should. 
The Lord gave me those two things. Number one, are they working? Are they trying to work? Number two, what about their family? Where's their family? What's going on with that? Because that's what he said. He said, uh, if any widow have children or nephews, that's family, any widow, then let them learn first to show piety at home and to requite their parents, for that's good and acceptable for the Lord. Now she that's a widow indeed and desolate trusts in God and continues in supplications and prayers night and day. But she that lives in pleasure is dead while she lives. That's uh, just self-gratification. And these things give in charge that they may be blameless. But if any provide not for his own, especially for those of his own house, he's denied the faith and is worse than an infidel. Now that verse is not talking about somebody who's doing everything they know to do and have and provide for and is coming short. I've seen the devil use people's misunderstanding of that to berate people. This is talking about folks that won't try. They're not even trying to work. They don't care. Not making an effort. Verse 9. Let not a widow be taken into the number under threescore years old, having been the wife of one man. Well reported of for good works, if she's brought up children, if she's lodged strangers, if she's washed saints' feet, if uh, she's relieved the afflicted, if she's diligently followed every good work. Now wait, wait, wait. <laughs> this is a list of qualifications before you help this widow. Is it or not? We're not supposed to just dole out money. Because somebody said I'm running short. Or because somebody told a sad story. Do you know we're supposed to be led by the Spirit all the time? With everybody, including our kin folks. And there'll be a number of times, if you'll listen to the Spirit of God, He'll tell you no. And it'll make them mad. And they'll berate you and say you're not a friend or you're not my brother or you're not this or that. And some of them may even cuss you out. Which proves you did the right thing. I'm serious. Because they never should have looked at you as their source anyway. We all have the same source. You're not my source. I'm not your source. If God's your source, you don't get your eyes on any man or woman and think, if they don't do it, I can't have it. He said, if this woman really doesn't have family, and if she's a good Christian woman, and she's been ministering to other people and helping them, then and only then do you help her. Verse 11, but the younger widows refuse. What does that mean? Don't help them. <laughs> what? They're a widow. You know, it's amazing if we just read the Bible once in a while, <laughs> what we could find out. <laughs> but do you know why some of this sounds strange to folks? Because the Bible has been replaced with religious tradition. Stuff that has been preached and practiced for centuries. And so people think, well, that's, that's God. 
That's the Bible, and yet it's contrary to the Bible. That's the, that's the good Christian thing to do. Let me tell you the good Christian thing to do. <laughs> do this Bible. That's as good and as Christian as it gets. He said, uh, younger widows refuse, for when they've begun to wax wanton against Christ, they'll marry. Having damnation, or the word there is condemnation, because they have cast off their first faith. Now that's my text. It took me a while to get to it. (laughs) But all that other was good too, wasn't it? I mean, that's... Verse 12... They have condemnation, some translations say judgment, because they have cast off their first faith. What does that mean? They've cast off their first faith. Notice the results, verse 13. With all they learn to be idle. How can they be idle? Because the church is paying all their bills. (laughs) And they wander about from house to house. Why? Because they don't have to go to work. Because the church is paying all their bills. And not only idle, but tattlers. What do you do all day when you got nothing to do? (laughs) You going to do something? Do you see that he already told you? That's why he gave that list of qualifications for the widow that you did help. Here is a woman. She's older. And especially in those days, uh, women didn't have the opportunities for income that are available today. And if you didn't have a husband or you didn't have a father or some grown son, you could be in real trouble financially. Of course, that could be true today as well, but it was especially true in that society And uh, he's saying this woman, even though she doesn't have a so-called breadwinner in the family and there was no government program, she is still occupied. Come on, did you see it? What's she doing? She brought up children. She lodges strangers. She washes the saints' feet. She relieves the afflicted. She's diligently following every good work. She's not idle, even though she's a widow with no money. Can you see this? She's doing everything she knows to do. The Spirit of God through Paul is saying, these are the kind of women, the widows that are older that you would help. But the younger ones, he said, refuse. Don't help them. Don't put them on a regular amount of money to take care of them. Because he said, what will happen is they'll wax wanton. And another way of saying this, you'll see this as we go further, their love and commitment that they're made at the beginning of this will wane and wax cold. And they'll decide they want something else. But in the meantime, what are they going to do with their idle self? (laughs) Verse 13. They're wandering about from house to house, just visiting. (laughs) just hanging out idle somebody say idle Idle. say it again idle Idle. is idle a problem idle is a giant problem 
idol is an opportunity for the enemy. Did you know the Bible said that that was Sodom and Gomorrah's big problem? Look it up. Idleness. Fullness and idleness. What do you do with yourself? Somebody else is paying your bills. You don't have to do a thing. What do you do with yourself? Well, you can get in trouble. You can start doing stuff you shouldn't be doing. And if you don't have any business to keep up with, what can you do? You can keep up with other people's <laughs> business because you don't have any business of your own. <laughs> Phyllis and I laugh because sometimes people will want to call us and talk to us. And you can tell they get on the phone and they want to stay on the phone for two hours talking about nothing. And I'm thinking, do you not have anything to do? Because I got things to do. <laughs> And you can tell some of these folks, they, when they get off with you, they call somebody else and they yak for two hours for nothing, nothing. I shouldn't say nothing. Some bad stuff actually comes out of it, which is what he's saying, tattlers, which is, yeah, you know, don't tell anybody. And I'm not gossiping or anything. I just want you to pray. But you know, I was talking to Susie over there just a while ago, got off the phone with her, and uh, uh, well, her and her husband's having a lot of trouble, a lot of trouble. You know, and I don't think he treats her right. In fact, I think he's mean. Somebody say, tattlers, busybodies, speaking things which they ought not. Now let's back up. Who's enabling this if they didn't listen to what the Lord told them? The church. The church is enabling this idle, gossipy, tattler lifestyle. That's why the Spirit of God said through Paul to Timothy, he said, don't do that. Refuse them. Why? Well, then they'll have to find out the rest of God's plan for their life. Instead of just putting in an idol and then in a few years deciding I don't want to do this. And back up to verse 12 again. The big problem is having condemnation because they have cast off their first faith. He said, verse 14, I will therefore that the younger women marry, bear children, guide the house, give none occasion to the adversary to speak reproachfully. Some have already turned aside. After Satan, be productive, be fruitful, have a life. If a man or woman that believes have widows, let them relieve them. And let not the church be charged, that it may relieve them that are widows indeed. Did you know that's true about every one of us? We are the church. If we are not misled, and if people don't con us and take advantage of us, then we'll have resources to help people that do need it. But if we're letting even our own family milk us, did you hear me? And out of some false idea about what love is, enable their ungodly lifestyle. Then when something comes up in a situation where we should get involved, we won't have it. Because the enemy has stolen it over here. Because we either were ignorant of or wouldn't do the Bible. Somebody said... 
Not me. Not me. By the grace of God, I'm going to be led by the Word and by the Spirit. Now, I told you already, but I'm going to tell you again. If you do what you just said you're going to do, there will be times when the Spirit of God will tell you no. Even with loved ones. Even with family members. Even with people that do have needs. Come on, are you listening? And when you say no, it's it's going to be uncomfortable. And it's going to make them mad. Because they already decided in their mind that you were going to do it and you should do it. Which is wrong, wrong on their part. But if this person, let's say a young woman came and the pastors and the people in the church said, no, no, dear, this is not what you need to do. You don't need to become dependent on us. You need to seek God and find out what, what the plan is for the rest of your life here. And she finds it and pursues it. And now, instead of three years later, her being dissatisfied and feeling like, I don't enjoy my life. She's in the plan of God. She's got fruit. She's happy. She's not dependent on somebody. God's using her to minister to other people. That's love. I said, that's love. That's love. But let's talk about this a little bit more in verse 12. Verse 12 says, having damnation or condemnation, because they've cast off their first faith. Listen to the NIV. It says they bring judgment on themselves because they've broken their first pledge. The uh, easy to read says they'll be guilty of not doing what they first promised to do. The complete Jewish Bible says this brings them under condemnation for having set aside the trust they had at first. This brings out a, a great truth. Faith is trust, is commitment. Faith is commitment. It's a side of faith I think sometimes folks haven't thought as much about. But when you are believing God, you are committing yourself to what he said. And instead of saying they get condemned because they have gotten away from their first commitment. It says first what? Faith. But it's talking about the same thing. Because it takes faith to make the commitment. I remember when Phyllis and I made the commitment to go into the ministry. It took faith. Every one of you that have followed any part of God's plan for your life, it takes faith. Doesn't it? To turn loose of the familiar. Turn loose of the comfortable. The Bible talks about in the book of Acts. When Paul and the company on the ship got in the storm. It said at one point they cut off the anchors. And hoisted the sails. And committed themselves to it. They know man we're, wherever we're going we're going. No going back now. And it takes faith. To make that commitment. But what you don't want to do. Is having made a faith commitment. Is later on. Go back. Renege on it. 
and turn around and say, well, no, I'm not going to do that. I said I was, but no, we're not going to do that. Because you will bring condemnation on yourself and you'll never be satisfied in a lesser level of commitment. The Amplified says, they incur condemnation for having set aside and slighted their previous pledge. Go with me to Revelation 2. Let's look at some more about this. I know this is a word from the Lord tonight. Know it in my spirit. Do you? Revelation 2 and 1. Revelation 2 and 1. He says, Unto the angel of the church at Ephesus write, These things says he that holds the seven stars in his right hand, who walks in the midst of the seven golden candlesticks. Keep reading for the next few verses. I know your works and your labor and your patience. I know how you cannot bear them which are evil, and you've tried them which say they're apostles and are not, and have found them liars. Did you know everybody that says they're a prophet or an apostle is not? Not everybody that says they are, are? Keep going. You've borne and have patience, and for my name's sake you've labored and have not fainted. So they've done some good things, haven't they? This church at Ephesus. Nevertheless, I have someone against you. Why? Because you have left your first love. Did you know that faith works by love? We're talking about the same thing. You've left your first love. You've left your first faith. You've left your first commitment and trust. What does that mean? They backed off their commitment. Their love cooled off. Their fervency cooled off. And they decided there was no need to go that far for God. That we, you know, I guess we just got excited in that meeting. Then we had to come back to reality and live in the real world. And you can tell it by that. Faith is always evidenced by joy. By joy. And you can see When God shows you what he's called you to and he shows you what's available to you and you realize, man, this is going to require some major changes, but I want it. I want it. I want it. I'm going to do it. I'm going to lay that aside. I'm going to push that aside. I'm going to give time for this. I want it. We're going to do it. Now, when you have that, it's the Lord. But. Days turn into weeks, and weeks turn into months, and things happen and things don't happen, and you can cool off. I said cool off, and the enemy will come and bring thoughts to your mind. That's just too much. That's going to cut into your life too much. That's going to cut into your finances too much. That's going to affect your family life. That's going to affect your me time. (laughs) In fact, you're going to lose all your me time. 
doing that. <laughs> it's just too much to ask. And so you back it down to something that requires less of you. And you slide it back some. You ever heard those two words? Back <laughs> and slide. <laughs> it's exactly what it is. Backsliding is cooling off of your fervency and backing off of your commitment to God. And if you do, you'll never be satisfied with less because you've seen more. I said, because you've seen more. Your spirit and your soul has touched more. You know it's there. You touched it. And to try to make yourself act like you don't know and it doesn't matter who's fooling who. You know better. Let me read something to you that my father in the faith, Kenneth Hagin, said and did a number of years ago that I thought was... uh, So exactly what we're talking about. He said when he had been in the ministry for three years, which is very, very young, he he got healed when he was, what, 16, 17 years old. And so he's been in the ministry for three years. So what is he, 19, 20 years old? He said, I've been in the ministry three years and was a pastor. I started pastoring in my late teens as a Baptist boy pastor. I'm reading his words now. I got baptized with the Holy Ghost and spoke with other tongues and got the left foot of fellowship from among the Baptists and came over among the Pentecostals. Because <laughs> they didn't believe in speaking in tongues. And he said, I'm going to share something. This was back years ago, but he said, I'm going to share something with you tonight. I've never shared with anybody, but the Lord told me to, so I'm going to do it. He said, I got over into Pentecostal circles and I'll be honest with you. He said, now we had plenty in the Baptist as well, but I saw so much carnality in the people that were supposed to have this great experience of being filled with the Spirit. But he said, then again, the Corinthians were carnal. Didn't the Bible say that, you know, 1 Corinthians 12 talks about the gifts of the Spirit. What did he say in chapter 3? You're carnal. Didn't he? So it's possible to have gifts of the Spirit operating and yet be carnal. He said, I saw so much carnality. And then persecution. He's talking about he began to get persecuted. He said, when you move out in the spirit and begin to operate, you'll get talked about. He said, I prayed for hours. I don't mean an hour. I prayed for hours every day during this time, at least two hours, sometimes three hours. I tried my best to get the Lord to let me go back to the Baptists. He said, I told him, Lord, I'll preach salvation. I'll just preach salvation. He said, but you can't please God by just preaching salvation if you've been enlightened otherwise. You back up, you'll open the door to the devil. Oh, did you hear that, saints? Reckon that's true? If you back up, you open the door to the devil. Didn't the Bible say neither give place to the devil? Well, certainly not the will of God. It's not obedience 
to back off of what he told you to do. So if you're in disobedience and unbelief, that would be opening the door to the enemy. He said, I said, now Lord, I'll pray in tongues because I know the benefit of it, but I won't preach it. I'll just preach the salvation message only. (laughs) And he said, the Lord said to him, now you'll pray in tongues and be edified, but you won't share this wonderful means of edification with others. (laughs) He said, well, we'll just get people saved. And you know, that's all that's really necessary. He said, no, that's not all that's necessary when you've been enlightened. If other folks don't see it, well, they don't see it. But if you do, it's not okay for you to act like you don't. To whom much is given, much is expected and required. He's saying if you do, you're going to back up and bring a curse on you instead of the blessing. I don't know about you, but I'm going to stay in the light. You know, last Friday, the Lord gave us a message about looking forward and moving forward. It really goes with this one. If you weren't with us, you know, go online, get it. These two go together. But we talked the whole night then about not backing up. About not backing up. You know, we saw where Israel, having been delivered out of Egyptian bondage through all those miracles, what did they want to do? They wanted to go back. Now, when they came out by God's power, his mighty hand, don't you realize at that time they're getting an inkling of a vision. Nobody made them go out. They wanted to go out. And he brought them out with silver and with gold. And there wasn't one feeble person among their tribes. And they're all hyped about the promised land. But when they experience difficulty and hardship, And it didn't come to pass in three weeks. Then what did they do when they turned around and said, let's go back to Egypt. Are they not backing off of their first faith? Their first commitment? Their first love? Well, I thought you were so excited about this. What happened now? Well, people try to say, well, that's not realistic. No. Once you've seen light... The entrance of his word gives light. And when his light comes into you and brings faith to you, it excites you. It gives you joy. The truth makes you free. Doesn't it? And when it does, that's something you and I should never back off of. No matter what happens or doesn't happen in the following days, months, and years, We should never back off and act like, well, I know I saw that and I know that's there, but we're just going to do this. This will be good enough. That's casting off your first faith and the Bible said you'll bring condemnation on yourself. Condemnation will keep your faith from working. Condemnation will open the door to the enemy. He said, Brother Hagee went on to say, I'm going to enjoy the blessings. I'm going to take people along with me. I'm going to let them enjoy the same Lord, the same Spirit, and the same blessing. He said, the Lord said to me, you're selfish. You're going to enjoy it, but you're not going to share it with them. (laughs) 
He said, yeah, he, Brother Hagin's talking. He'd let me go back if I wanted to. He would have let him go back. I said, no, no, I'm not going. Bless God. I'm staying over here. Let them talk about me all they want to. And he said, and they're still talking. (laughs) He said, but it don't bother me to be criticized by some of these little folks. I've been criticized by experts. (laughs) And we're going off and leave some people, but bless God, we're going on. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. He's talking about not leaving his first faith, his first love, his first commitment, not backing off of it. Can you say, me too? Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Oh, somebody say, thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Revelation 2, we had just read verse 4, I believe it was. Revelation 2, 4. He said, nevertheless, I have somewhat against you because you have left your first love. Verse 5, remember therefore from which you're fallen and repent and do the first works. That's what we've been talking about on Sundays, right? Is repenting. That's the way out. How do you get out of this mess you got yourself in? Repent. Repent. And God will give you grace and give you help. Repent. And do the first works which are connected to your first love and your first faith and your first commitment. Else I'll come to you quickly and remove your candlestick out of your place except you repent. We don't want anybody else to get used in what should have been ours. But, and the only reason that would happen is if you get where you don't appreciate it. And you're not willing to fight for it. And go for it. No, if everything was just real easy, everybody would be doing it. It takes some courage. It takes some faith. It takes some strength, right? But is it worth it? Is it worth it? The Bible said that the sufferings of this present time are what? They're not even worthy to be compared to the glory that shall be revealed. Go with me to Luke 8, please. How do you identify Your first faith, your greatest light, your greatest commitment. We've already talked about it. With the light comes joy and excitement. And did you know what comes next? The devil will come immediately to try to steal that out of you. And how could you tell if he was able to steal it and get it out of you? You lose your joy. And you say, what was I thinking? That's never going to happen. And if you back off of it, you're in trouble. Because you're not, I don't care what you do and how safe you try to play it, you're not going to be satisfied. Condemnation is going to be there. In uh, Luke 8, you see this. Verse 13, talking about the parable of the sower. He said, those on the rock, Luke 8, 13, are they which, when they hear, they receive the word with what? With joy. So, are they off to a good start? And is joy more than just excitement? What is the joy of the Lord? It's your strength. It actually enables you and empowers you to keep on going and not give up. But when you lose your joy, you lose your excitement, 
What else did you just lose? You lost your strength. And in running in your own power and turning loose of your vision and excitement, it won't be long until you're going to sputter to a stop. He said they received the word with joy, but then what happened to them? They have no root, which for a while believe, and in time of temptation, what did they do? They fought, does that sound like backing off? Turning loose of it? In Mark, the 10th chapter. Mark, the 10th chapter. You see that uh, the rich young ruler, as we call him, Verse 17, he came running and kneeled to him and said, Great master, what shall I do that I may inherit eternal life? Now, when's the last time did you run up to the preacher after the message? (laughs) And said, Glory to God, what else do I got to do to get all of this? Was he excited about what Jesus just preached? He was excited. Very excited. Running, he ran up to him and knelt down in front of him. He's excited. He said, good master, what do I need to do to inherit this eternal life you're talking about? He's been hearing him preach. Does he have some light? He does. He's stirred up. Does he want to go somewhere he hadn't been before? Does he want a different life? He's ready. He's excited. And then Jesus told him, he said, uh, among other things, verse 19, you know the commandments. And uh, he said, Master, all these have I observed from my youth. And Jesus, looking at him, loved him. There's some good things in this young man. And his zeal and his excitement is wonderful. And here he is asking, what do I need to do? What do I need to do? Tell me. I'm ready to go all the way with this thing. He said, great. Okay. Just one thing. Well, that that ain't bad. It's not ten things. It's one thing. Go your way. Sell whatever you have. Give to the poor. And he didn't say it would be gone forever. He said, you'll have treasure. In heaven. And come take up the cross and follow me. And what happened? What happened? What happened? He lost it all. Right there. Didn't he? Now what happened here? He sad. And went away grieved. Is it the Lord's will that he be sad? And depressed? And grieved? What happened to him? He was ready. We're going to go all the way. We're going to do this thing. We're going to get eternal life. We're going to find and do the plan of God. We're going all the way. Tell me, Lord, tell me, what do I need to do? What do I need to do? He said, do just one thing. And he heard it. He thought, I I can't do that. I I can't do that. So what did he do at that moment He backed off of the level of commitment he was making. Because he just got through telling the Lord basically, just tell me. I want to go. But then it wasn't true. 
When the light comes, the joy comes. When the faith comes and the vision comes, the excitement comes. The excitement about the glorious, amazing future and plan of God he has for me. I get to be a part of it. Is it going to cost you anything? Uh Uh-uh. It's going to cost you everything. Everything. It's going to cost you everything. (laughs) Not my words. (laughs) But it's worth it. And then some. Do you believe it? Any sufferings are not even worthy to be compared. But you must not back off. Of your first faith. And your first love. And your first joy. And your first commitment. And let the enemy wear you down. Through the mundane. Trudgery of life. Until you think well. This will be good enough. Never. Settle for the dull and boring. Don't do it. I said don't do it. In the name of, well, we have to be realistic now. You got to live in the real world. We don't have to live in the world. We're in it, but we're not of it. We don't have to live by its rules. We don't have to be depressed like the world. We don't have to be jaded and dull and bored like the world. We don't have to be. We don't have to be. Now, if you're not like them, they'll talk about you. Oh, yeah. Even church-going folks, they'll talk about you. They go, I don't know what happened to them. They went over to that Faith Life Church. And they're just different. Have you seen them lately? Man, wild-eyed. I hear they talk in tongues. (laughs) <laughs> you heard right. <laughs> I hear they just do this and they do that. And, they, and when they see you, they go, oh, here he comes. You go, ha, glory to God. See, I told you, see, this is something all the time, man. I mean, just nobody can really be that happy. Yes, they can. Yes, they can. <laughs> yes, they can. I said, yes, they can. You know who will get it, though? It's not the people that try it for a few weeks. It's the people that commit to it. And no matter what it looks or feels like, they're never turning loose of that first light and that first faith and that first commitment. They're pressing toward the mark for the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. And forgetting all that stuff that's behind and never going back to the stuff that's behind. Never. Somebody say never, 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 never. I got one way I'm going. One way, one way, one way. That's forward and up with him. That's it. That's it. We're not going down. We're not going back. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Somebody say glory to God. Glory to God. Glory to God. Thank you Lord. Thank you Lord. I like what uh, Paul said in Acts 20. You don't have to turn there. But Acts 20. And 24 when he was. Faced with a number of things. And you read the rest of the scriptures. You see he did 
what he's talking about here. He said, none of these things move me. Neither count I my life dear unto myself. So that what? That I might finish my course. How? Did you know that's how you started it? I said, that's how you started it. Did you know Hebrews tells us that Jesus is the author and the finisher of our faith. And we're to lay aside every weight and the sin which does so easily beset us and run with perseverance. You think you're running backwards? He's not talking about running backwards. Running forward because the one, he who has begun a good work in us. He will complete it. He will finish it until the day of Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. Started this thing with joy. We're going to finish this thing. Hey, with joy. (laughs) And it's that joy that keeps you strong. Keeps you strong and nothing else can. Nothing else will. You don't have to know everything, understand everything. You don't have to produce it yourself. He's the one that does what you cannot do. But what you do have to do is keep your hand to the plow. Don't look back. Keep your hand on the plow and just keep moving forward and say, I will not, none of these things move me. I will not be moved. We will have what the Lord told us we will have. We will have it. We will have it. Well, y'all just got excited. You need to back off or something. No, no, no. No. No, I don't. I can't believe bigger than God can do. Can I? When's the last time the Lord ever came to anybody and said, you need to back off on that. Now, you just, you put me in a bad spot here because you have asked bigger than I can do. Never, 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 never had him said anything like that to me. I have had him say more than once, is that all? (laughs) Numerous times he said that to me. (laughs) Because he is able to do exceeding, abundantly, above all that we ask or think according to the power. This work in us. Woo! Stand up on your feet, everybody. Stand. Singers and players, would y'all come? Glory, 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 glory. Glory to God. Hallelujah. Oh, somebody say, Thank you, Master. Thank you, Master. Thank you, Master. Thank you, Lord. We worship you. Oh, thank you. This ministry has been brought to you today free of charge by the partners of More Life Ministries and Faith Life Church. If you would like to help send this word to others at no charge, you can become a word sender today. For more information, visit our website at morelife.org.